0: On today's show we'll be talking about how to perk up your dishes without salt, where we've eaten out and what we've eaten in, the new signature restaurant at Fairmont Olympic, interesting events, and James Beard news. You'll hear it all on the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by...
2: The resort at Port Ludlow, nestled on the shores of Puget Sound, just an hour from Seattle. The resort at Port Ludlow offers 37 cozy rooms, each with a fireplace and jetted tub. And Fireside, a farm-to-table restaurant celebrating the bounty of local farms, artisan meats, and cheese. The dinner menu changes daily to reflect the best the region has to offer. Their 18-hole golf course is appreciated by players of all skill levels, with stunning views throughout. The 300-slip marina offers many amenities, along with kayak and watercraft rentals. Find more information online at portludlowresort.com. This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get the show on the road.
1: Coming to you live the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to our March show,
0: 2203. I'm Connie Adams, senior editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hello, everybody. He goes to different countries sometimes, perhaps in his mind, (laughs) and he comes back with an accent that no one can place.
3: That's because it's not from a country, it's from a doggy.
0: Oh, 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 it's the dog voice. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we're going to do something different today. We're going to jump right in to where we've eaten out. Yeah. So, where have you been
3: eating? I see here you went to Aurora Borealis. I
0: did just last night.
3: Did they fix their sign
0: yet? Is their sign?
3: Yeah, it's like cattywampus. Wampus. It's like uh, no. the top right quarter of it is uh, not in sync with the rest. Oh,
0: interesting. On I- the
3: digital marquee.
0: You know how I am. I get lost a lot, so I was really focusing on just seeing the name and getting in a parking lot. (laughs) And I was so excited, you know, sad for them that no one was there, but so excited that I could park right in front of the front door. (laughs) And then it turns out that uh, they've done kind of what the casino down the street did. You've got to go walk down into the back parking lot and go through the back door. Oh, really? Yeah. And so we were
3: down... You know, when you and I you had to go in through that, that kind of big brick room. Yeah,
0: big event space that they have mm-hmm. got. And um I did ask the bartender down there if if the top floor was open, she goes, Oh yeah. Well I tried the door and it was locked. So maybe on the weekends or something I didn't get into it because they had just like the casino down the street, a big band, a live big band. Oh, wow. And it was... Um, oh, yeah, like, like, like was it, a high school band? Yeah, it, but it was interest That's what I thought it was. And then I looked at somebody who looked my age, and I thought, not true. But it's like... Uh,
3: well, I had the parents fill in where the kids with COVID <laughs> yeah, couldn't come
0: in. No. It was, what am I trying to say? People who've graduated, people who've moved on from the school, it's... Okay, uh, alumni. Alumni, thank you. I couldn't say the word, um, of Meadowdale, Meadowdale. So, and honestly, they were pretty good. Huh. It, was, it was fun. I don't you know? know. When
3: we saw them up there at uh, Club
0: Hollywood, it was quite good. That's what I'm saying. They, it's like they're doing what that was doing, and they've got pull tabs. and yeah, So they're, I guess they're doing anything to make money at this, this point. Are people in the band playing pull tabs while they perform? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I just meant it's on the sign that's Catty Wampus. <laughs> um, so the, the food was pretty much what we experienced when we went prior to the pandemic. Mhm. Um, it wasn't just awful. But it wasn't anything special. Okay, um, we so had kind of a busy little fryer later. Yeah, well, we had uh, artichoke and spinach dip, and both of those things are relatively mild, which is why you throw crab or something in. So it was a little bland. Mm-hmm. Um, they ha- we got coconut prawns, which tasted good, but were a bit soft and mushy. I'm sure they'd just been frozen. You mm. know? And then we had a quesadilla which came with a little sour cream and a little guacamole, which I'm sure was not made on site. So it was just, you know, it is what it is. It is
3: what it is, yeah.
0: So I don't think that's going to change, and especially if they're sometimes opening upstairs and sometimes not, whatever. But, um, but it was really fun to go in and hear that band. Yeah, good. So, so that was cool. And then I had lunch at Old Stove Brewing, which uh, actually surprised me. Where's that at? Pike Place Market. It's in that new market front. When you're on the market front up top, it's oh, okay. the stuff down below, mm-hmm. and they that section, that space down there, is three different companies: Indie Chocolate, Honest Biscuits, and Old Stove. And they're all cut they'll run into each other. There's like not walls between them, mm-hmm. um, and the idea is that it's the producers' hall. Mm. So if you Lease in there, it is because you make something on site. Oh, okay. So it is a brewery there, and they have a full-service restaurant. They sell to-go. They've got crowlers, which are cans, 32-ounce cans, Uh that they take and fill from the tap, and then they seal them up just like like a beer can with a pop-top on top. Oh, wow. And then they have a giant, really giant beer can at the edge of the restaurant. But it's the pizza oven. Oh,
3: I thought they put it around a Saint Bernard's neck. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> now the Saint Bernard just lies there and licks it up from the bottom. No, it's actually their their pizza oven, which is kind of funny. Huh? So, um, but we talked to the chef as well as one of the owners, and um, it's interesting. I mean, they're uh, she's totally on local, sustainable. She grew up in D- Dutch Harbor you know you were subsistence you you fished and picked and foraged all summer long so you'd have food in the winter so she's got a different view of food and hmm. and wants it to be local and healthy and and if she, everything she gets is is from Washington and if it's not if she can't get something she buys it from a company owned by somebody in Washington right so if so, you need bananas yeah you go to the yeah. Charlie's Produce yeah. or something like the Washington that. Banana Firm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, and it was—I thought the flavors were really good. They get uh, their cod for their fish and chips out of a company in Ballard. So, so mm. anyway, it was—it was, it was uh, more than I expected. I, you know, we'll see if there's consistency there or whatever. But I was kind of impressed.
3: Then you went downtown, saw a show. But before you went to the show, you went to the Wild
0: Ginger. Yeah, and I only bring it up because we've talked about Wild Ginger, and people know Wild Ginger. But Wild Ginger downtown has only been open about a month now. It has been closed the entire pandemic. Oh wow! Because of you know, yeah, the troubles the on Third Avenue. All, yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Know, just too. a lot of a lot of problems downtown, and Third Avenue is not a great spot. So, um, so I have to say, when I got there, which was five o'clock. I think there might have been one other person in there, but probably not. Probably it was just me. And by the time we left, it was pretty busy. So that tells you there's a a demand for downtown dining, Yeah. which was good news.
3: Well, there's not as many restaurants downtown as there was two years ago.
0: Yeah. And, and of course, I I think it partly while ginger fills when there's something at the um, Benaroya – and we were going to the Fifth Avenue, which is very walkable. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. uh, places like that. Uh, Purple didn't even have any reservations that night available. Huh. So, you know, but again, that's demand. Yeah. So, yeah. what about you? Uh,
3: let's see. Uh, well, we went down to, how do you say, Prost or I Prost? I think it's Prost. Prost, in, uh, down there in Finneyland. And uh, we had sausages, Uli sausages, and some more sausages, <laughs> and some beer. Mm-hmm. B I E R. I had the mulled wine. Oh, okay. Spiced wine. Yeah, and it was fine. I, you know, you want to go out and get beer and sausages.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good place to go.
3: Mm. Uli sausages are good.
0: Yeah, and it it did feel very neighborhoody. Partly because I felt like people turned and looked when I came in, like. You are not one of us. But I Uh, never felt that way after I got in. You know, nobody made me feel awkward. And it was, people seemed to be greeting each other and know each other. So it had kind of a nice feel to it.
3: I've been there a couple of years ago, and I think I played the trivia night a couple of times Oh, okay. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Starting to see those coming back now, too. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. And then we did a little field trip up to Columbia City and went to Jackalope. I love your sense of direction. Formerly El Sombrero. Yes. And uh, I was not impressed.
0: No, I wanted
3: to be. I really wanted to like it. But um, smoke is the name of the game, and everything is smoked. So your, Mm -hmm. your baked beans have smoked bacon in them, and your... Uh, boozy drink has is, is got smoke something or other in there, and the entree has smoked this and that, and there's a whole lot of smoke.
0: And you know, I don't have a problem with smoke. It's sort of, uh, I'm going to equate this to what you say about truffle. I can take a little truffle, but not too much. Mm-hmm. And this is a, sort of the same thing there's nothing wrong with smoke. But, it, like you said, it was in everything. But if you do it
3: to everything. Well, it's and, like if you went to a fish restaurant and you put fish sauce in everything. yeah. <laughs>
0: well, the other thing, too, is that, like, you had the brisket enchilada, was it? An enchilada? Yeah, which I was really hoping was going to be. Yeah, and, that was that was the one to get, and I was I, told. And I like brisket. I really like brisket. Neither one of us liked the brisket. Mm-mm. I had a chili brisket. Cheese enchilada. And actually, I like that much more than what you had. So I think there was so much less brisket in it. It wasn't as smoky. Yeah. But, of course, it had beans and rice on it. And the the rice was And the rice was was sticky. Yeah, it was like Asian rice almost. It was like sticky rice. It
3: wasn't the way I'm... And I don't, I don't, I don't believe in in uh, uh,
0: Tex-Mex cooking that there's such a thing as sticky rice. Mm-mm. They had, I've forgotten now, but there was something in it that made it that way. That was on the menu. it Explained what was in it, hmm. but it was an odd. I mean, you had a. It was like starchy, like it had never
3: been washed or rinsed yeah. before they cooked it.
0: Yeah, and you had to stick your fork in. I mean, it didn't just fall apart like rice does, right? You had to cut a piece. Yeah, you out. had to cut through it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we wanted to like that too. Uh the way they changed it around inside was very nice.
3: Um I don't know. Still had the old El Sombrero menu, but
0: I couldn't yeah. order off it. Yeah, that was up in the corner <laughs> just for looks.
3: But yeah. And then we went to uh the Paragon and uh
0: went for their happy hour. We didn't mean to. We were gonna go have dinner. Oh yeah. But we were really early. We got in there at four.
3: Oh, yeah, and they weren't doing dinner yet. Yeah, till 5. So, Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You know, you usually think happy hour's got some sort of value to it, but I think we paid a whole lot of money in there. For... We
0: did, but it wasn't a happy hour. They don't do happy hour. They're just starting. It'll come up in the news. Oh, rights, okay. The crabby crabby hour, crabbier hour. Yeah. Um, Crabby hour. Um, So it wasn't. It was just that between 4 and 5, they do offer – some food. Yeah. And a couple things off the menu, like one the burger you can get all day. Right. Stuff like Appetizer that. Appetizer stuff. Yeah. All that. So. so what we had actually was very good. You had some soup, and that was quite good. Um, we had some bread with the butter was uh, very special. So special, I cannot recall it at the moment. Um, it had bone marrow in it or something, the butter.
3: Yeah, bone marrow. Yeah,
0: and that was that was good. That's so good we for We you. liked everything. It's, um,
3: everybody's going crazy for bone marrow now. I know it's everywhere. they want that collagen. Yeah, fix my lips, you know.
0: <laughs> no more Botox. <laughs> just go for the collagen. Uh, just uh,
3: skip the Botox treatment and just have a little bit of collagen and uh, CBD
0: oil in your <laughs> in your smart just shake. Fine. So, what have you been cooking at home? You know, I had. Uh, Two things that I wanted to talk about this time. The first one actually turned out really well. It was a tropical salad. I found it in a book about cooking with olive oils and balsamics. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, I had to use some frozen things because it calls for mango, mandarin oranges, red bell peppers, and red onions. So I had to get frozen mango. Um, But that combination was quite good. Mm-hmm. But the what pulled it all together was it was a lime-fused olive oil and coconut balsamic, yeah. white coconut. And that was really delicious. You put the lime in the coconut. <laughs> and shake it all around. Mm. So... Um, I had had that, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. You liked it. You said I could have this every day. Yeah, that's right. I could have it every day. And, you know, frozen mango is not a bad thing. No, it was – and, you know, it's probably frozen appropriately and I got organic and –
3: Because if you had to go and buy a mango at the grocery store, you you probably – chances are you'd never use the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when things get frozen, they get frozen at the peak of their flavor. Mm-hmm. So you might buy a, a mango at the grocery store; it might be either ahead or behind. Yeah. And but with the frozen, all you gotta do yeah. is just, you know, put it in a Ziploc bag, stick it in some water, get it brought down to room temp, mm-hmm. and you got a nice piece of mango ready to go.
0: Well, these were chunked, which was good because that's what I wanted it. And also, when I opened it, I could squeeze it around and throw out some chunks and zip it back up and put it in the freezer so I didn't have to thaw the whole thing. It was also in a fairly small bag. Yeah. So. And, and I know I've had
3: dried uh, mango chips mm. and you put those in water and let them rehydrate. Oh, okay. And uh, and they work nice in a salad. They work, you know, they work kind of like a dried fruit, but you really don't want to try to eat mango dry because it's like leather. Oh, yeah. So you got to get it wet. Oh, okay. So.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It worked. I liked it. And then I did a one skillet lemon butter Dijon chicken and orso with feta sauce. And from an uh, execution view, uh, it was not very successful. The I pulled this from someplace, and it was not written well. You know, you'd find out later after you'd done something that you should have saved some of that out and done it here. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't read it carefully enough before I did it. I actually did kind of like it, and the leftovers were were quite good. Oh, so they it had time for the
3: flavors to meld. Yeah.
0: You weren't yeah. crazy about it, but the biggest um thing you didn't like was it had a lot of orso in it and yeah. you just didn't want the I'm not crazy about orso. Oh, I, I love it, but you you're worried more about that glycemic load. Yeah. So um that's what but but you didn't think it was a horrible
3: I think it was horrible. I just it didn't do anything for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so that that's kind of what I was doing. Oh, the feta sauce was good. Feta cheese? Uhhuh yeah
3: so. well I, uh, I I lit up the burners the other day and we made, uh, I made some sausages for us for dinner mm-hmm. and uh, I hadn't done that recipe in a while. They were quite good. It was really good. We used really uh, caramelized uli, oh yeah, spicy Italian sausage. And uh, it was it was really good. And you caramelized
0: those onions.
3: I got them just perfect, didn't I?
0: Yeah, they were. They had a little maple syrup on them. They were mm-hmm. sweet naturally, and with that little extra.
3: And I had tried doing them maybe a week or so beforehand, and I basically I thought I might have ruined a pan because uh, I put the maple syrup in while it was
0: while uh, while
3: it was at the point that it was already up to full temperature. Oh, and it kind of. Hardened. Just blackened it. Yeah. So uh, when I cooked them for both of us the other night, I, uh, I lit the burner on that pan and put the onions sautéed in the maple syrup and salt and pepper right into the pan just as it started to come up. Ah. And it really made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in the recipe, if I do it correctly, you, you, you take it up to 350 and then you drop it down to medium-low, mm. so about 300, 325 maybe. Yeah. And then it, it, it never nothing ever stuck to the pan. The food was delicious. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the reason I'm talking about this one is I think we should probably republish that uh, recipe in yeah. the next issue because it is, you know, uh, tailgate party time.
0: Yeah, that's true. So,
3: Is it? Well, Super- don't you tailgate party at a baseball game too?
0: Oh, yeah, I guess you can. I always think football. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. nah, that's over. Well, if baseball comes back and there aren't strikes and yeah. whatever. Well, there's
3: always strikes in baseball.
0: I know. Just got to get through it, you know? And, you know, there's no, no telling. You can still have a tailgate party and not go to a game.
3: That's true. You could probably get in the parking lot for free and just (laughs) pop your tailgate down to pretend you're at the baseball game.
0: Give the kids a thrill. All
3: right. And uh, the other things that I had this month that I really enjoyed was I did some food prepping Mm -hmm. and uh, cooked up a pound of grass-fed beef with Italian seasonings and a little bit of marinara sauce and then um, froze those in quarter cup portions. And I've been using them with some uh, pasta and reheating and making lunches with them. Mm. And it's delicious. And then I did the same thing with some grass-fed beef and some some Spanish seasonings mm. and made up some taco meat. Mm. And I've been doing my little ha- hack with Amy's with that. Ah. So I take a frozen quarter cup cube of this beef and I tuck it into the Amy's uh, frozen dinner and put them in the microwave for five minutes or whatever the instruction says, and it just comes out spectacular. Yeah. I put a little bit of cheese over the top of the meat, yeah. and so now you're getting Amy's
0: with beef in it. Oh, wouldn't Amy's be mad yeah. if I knew that? Because they're vegetarian and organic, and, of course, we're organic, but – the other thing about that that I will say is that I've gotten a couple of Amy's frozen dinners recently. And I have liked everyone I've gotten. I've, the, the flavors are good, you know, but it's not much food. Yeah. I find that I... Well, that's why I put that extra yeah, quarter so cup
3: of protein on.
0: That's why I'm saying it. Yeah. That if, you know, if you're not trying to be vegetarian, that really is the perfect way to go with, with those.
3: Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to continue this discussion, but we're going to take a break right now and we'll be right back.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Dock
2: and Drink, a unique, lodge-themed, heated and tented outdoor space along Lake Washington's southern end with stunning views of the lake, Olympic Mountains, and downtown Seattle skyline. This casual dockside restaurant changes throughout the year to take advantage of favorite seasonal ingredients in their bites, small shareables, flatbreads, and desserts. Creatively handcrafted cocktails, local beer and wine, and zero-proof mocktails complete your visit. Dock and Drink is located on the dock at the Hyatt Regency Lake Washington in Renton. Find them online at dockanddrink.com. Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I eat at La Carta de Oaxaca.
1: This is Uli from Uli's famous Sausage in the Pike Place Market,
2: and you listen to the Seattle Dining Show.
3: On the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, front of the house, senior editor, you name it. She <laughs> makes it happen every month. <laughs> and um, we are going to be talking about some wines we've been drinking, and we're going to be talking about a, a little booze calculator I came up with. Hmm.
0: Well, a couple of things, three wines that we tried we thought we'd share. Was The first was a 2019 Kayona Limburger, Red Mountain AVA, estate grown, medium body. You could taste the fruit, and it, we found that it went with a lot of different foods. We we tried it with burger dips, and it was really good with those.
3: And those guys have been making some really good Limburger up there now, maybe a decade or more, yeah.
0: huh? Yeah, it's been
3: a while. Yeah,
0: that's good stuff. Yeah. Then we tried a twenty sixteen Nina Lee Syrah from Spring Valley Vineyard. Very dark color. I found that it was kind of earthy, yet still fairly light. If that sounds odd, and you kind of thought there was a sweetness on the front.
3: Yeah, where was this from? Do you know? We got it. Um, I mean,
0: I mean, what, what, where, where was the grapes grown? Oh, you know that I don't know, but but don't they? Um, this is Spring Valley Vineyard over in Walla Walla, where we oh, stopped okay. and went. So they're, they're So Northwest. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Then um, we tried a twenty twenty. I'm not going to say this right. Bosquette. Cabernet Sauvignon, organic grapes from Mendoza, Argentina. I thought it was mellow and fairly smooth. You said you really didn't pick up any particular fruit. It was an inexpensive wine, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't necessarily be blowing us out of the water. But it was, you know, it was okay for a weekday having a little bit of wine. That's a good drinking wine. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Now, you came up with a booze calculator. Yes. Tell us about that. You know,
3: I've been a master Excel person since the 1980s, I was doing stuff in Excel that would make your
0: head spin oh, well, back and in I the was, 1980s. And I was taking Excel classes, and people were saying to me, why are you even here? <laughs> so <laughs> so um,
3: the first calculator, I actually created two calculators, because um, I, I kind of wanted to see what's it really costing to drink at home versus when you go out to eat. Mm-hmm. And we know that they say that a lot of times they'll do a 3X or a 4X on a, on a bottle of wine or a glass of wine. So I just kind of wanted to see. Um, so I did, a, I did a couple of wines that I like. Um, A3 Chardonnay. I picked this up on a regular basis over at Total Wine. Quite a good wine. It's uh, seven ninety nine a bottle. And so uh, I, I created uh, you have to add in the sales tax, too, you know. You've got to fi- figure out what it really is. So it's really eight87. And are you going to drink a three ounce, a six ounce or a nine ounce pour? I will typically drink a six ounce pour at home. Um, so it's 2 twenty two a glass. Wow. So if I was going to get that out somewhere, if they were trying to sell it to me for 12 bucks a glass, which I'm seeing a lot of nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd really feel like I was <laughs> getting
0: yeah, but harangued. They probably wouldn't sell it at $12 a glass for a $7.99 bottle, and that would be retail. They'd get it at wholesale, but it would still be, I'll bet, a $9, bo- uh, yeah. $9 yeah. glass.
3: And I don't know if there's much of a difference in the price between the wholesale and the retail i don't know I, I i don't I don't know my ins and outs on that. I can tell you a little bit over when when we get over to the booze mm-hmm. that there is some differences going on um, uh a boggle chardonnay. This is a fairly common Chardonnay. They also do a lot of biodynamic farming, so I like to support that. That's $8.85 a bottle, $9.82 with sales tax, and my six-ounce pour is $2.45. Wow. Uh, Let's get up there now. You know, here's what I was thinking about. Okay, so if I'm going to pay $10 for a glass of wine when I go out to eat, if I want to splurge at home, why don't I get like a $40 bottle of wine, right? Mm -hmm. So here's a Duckhorn Chardonnay. $36 is the bottle price, and then with the sales tax, it's $40. So there you go. Six ounce pour, 10 bucks. Wow. So you don't don't have to feel like if you want to do something really special and get a nice special bottle of wine, uh, sure it would be cheaper buying it at the store and bringing it home than buying one at a restaurant at 2X, 3X, or 4X. So another one, uh, Cake Bread. That's a, that's a, that's a one that's high up on everybody's list. Forty nine ninety four fifty five dollars with the sales tax. Six ounce pour thirteen eighty six. At home. At home. I don't think you're going to get that by the glass when you go out. You're going to have to buy a bottle yeah, probably. Maybe so. So you know it goes on and on. <clears throat> and uh, I will say, anybody who wants to get a copy of the booze calculator spreadsheet cuz I'm not going to post it online cuz it's excel but uh if you'd like a copy of it just send us an email off the website and we'll send you a copy on email there you go um so then you know um you got your spirits and good spirits good spirits and and there's some cocktails that I like to have at home on a regular basis um kind of an old standby is like a crater Crater Lake Vodka with Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. So, when I built this spreadsheet, I had to calculate the state sales tax, the state liquor tax, the volume of the bottle.
0: Oh my God.
3: How many ounces were in that volume? So, you know, your volume of your bottle is like it's a 0. 0.75 liter. Okay, so how many ounces is it that? Well, it's 24. And then you you know, are you using in a half an ounce, are you using an ounce, are you using an ounce and a half? So the the spreadsheet covers all that information. So for instance, I like to get like a, a this Crater Lake and Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. So Crater Lake, bottle of that is going to cost you 20 99 and the sales tax is going to be $4.30. Now the bar pays the same price. But they pay a little less on the state liquor tax. Mm. Uh, the state liquor tax is three dollars and something on a whole liter. So the Trader Lake that I buy, I, I buy the point seven five. So there's two eighty three in that. So you know what a sticker shock thing it is when you get up to the register <laughs> and you see what they charge you. Well, they charge you twenty ninety nine for the bottle, four dollars and thirty cents for the state sales tax. Because it's not 10.1%. It's 20 point, I think, 20.83. And then the state liquor tax, which is a flat rate based on the volume of the bottle. So for 0.75, you're going to pay another 283. So that $20.99 bottle of wine, or bottle of vodka, excuse me, actually cost you $28.12 now if i if I portion that out in ounces that's twenty four ounces. If I do a shot of it, it costs me a buck seventeen. If I get a can of coke from or from the grocery store mm-hmm. uh that's another fifty cents so it's uh a dollar sixty seven for a cocktail at home. Wow, I'm all right with that yeah uh now another one of my favorite cocktails to make at home is uh, a cocktail that came out of Wedgwood here in Seattle called the Judy Foo's Snappy Melon Ball. I know how to make it. You make it with a little bit of orange juice. You make it with uh, equal parts of rum, uh, vodka, and Midori. So I did all the math on that, and it ends up costing me $4.91 to make that cocktail here at home. <coughs> wow. Now, can you imagine that? That had to be like a $20 cocktail out at a restaurant, maybe 18 yeah. yeah. But I know a little place where I can go get the drink made. <coughs> and they just hit Bacardi on the cash register. It ends up costing me $7.50. So wow. it all depends on, you know, <laughs> what, who's behind the bar and, and who's figuring it out and, and that sort of thing. Because this drink is not in... The, uh, in the cash register. So anyways, um, that's sort of the calculator thing. And like I say, anybody listening, if they want a copy of the calculator on Excel, just uh, shoot us an email off the
0: seattledining.com website and I'll send you a copy. You know, it's no secret that places, restaurants, bars make a lot of money off beverages. Even even at a theater, you make a ton yeah <coughs> excuse me, a ton of money off soft drinks. So, oh, way um, too much money off oh, soft yeah. drinks. But even like you're saying fifty cents for a can of Coke, I mean you pay two fifty or three bucks for a Coke out, right. outside. So you can And imagine, it has ice in it, so it's really probably only eight ounces, not twelve. Exactly. It's not a full yeah. thing. So
3: this is quite an eye opener. So uh, a couple other ones that I made, I did. A, I make what I call my clean margarita, which is made with a hornitos reposado tequila and a cointreau, and then I just hit that with seven with diet seven up, and I don't get all the sugar and mm-hmm. and all the jive, and it's still tasty. That's very good. And uh, I can make that for three dollars and six cents at home. I can make a tangerine and tonic for two dollars and fifty three cents at home. Wow! So
0: drinking at home. Uh, there's some money to be saved, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. When you're feeling a little, when you want to be tight but you're feeling tight, drink at home. <laughs> you want to pop into the News Bites here? Sure. Okay. Um, obviously, we update these all the time, so go out and check it out at seattledining.com backslash News Bites. Um, the big news right now is that the final installment of the $25 million, million-dollar restoration at the Fairmont Olympic, is almost in place. The last thing they were going to do was create a signature restaurant because the Georgian Room is no more. Um, They reconcepted it to the George as a nod to the Georgian Room, but also bringing it into the modern times. And redone by a Spanish design firm, it does look beautiful. I haven't been there in person, but the the pictures are gorgeous. Hmm. And then um, I did an interview with Chef Thomas Cullen on Monday. And that will be in our March issue, the story. So more detail there. And the restaurant opens on April 4th. Sounds good. And you can – I I need a media dinner invite. I know we are going to be able to get in there, (laughs) I think. Uh, The next one I'm really kind of happy about, Bon Appetit Management Company has for some time had a focus on sustainability and good practices. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's coming together. They've created a system that tracks sustainability purchasing and wellness, which means like shifting menus toward plants, balancing plates for human and planetary health. And so you can actually use this system, order food at your restaurant, um and and track how how well you're doing. Yeah. So it's really a a cool thing I think because we can all talk until we're blue in the face about doing the right thing. But we don't often know that you know right. we're doing it. We're executing. Or somebody the way says we something's organic and it's not. Well, or... exactly. So this is kind of a cool deal. Then Bassa on Bainbridge is um, bringing brunch back. So starting March eleventh, there'll be things like pork belly congee, sea bass banh mi, Benedict, and sweet potato hash, and a bone broth bloody mary. More bone broth. Bone broth is everywhere. I mean, you know, that sounds horrible, but and then we mentioned this earlier, but Paragon on Queen Anne has started Crabby Hours, and their their tagline is like happy only, like happy hour only crabbier. Um, so Tuesday through Saturday, two to six p.m. fifteen dollar king crab roll until they sell out. Two dollars off all draft beer, ten percent off all menu items from starters and staples sections. Plus, they're playing cocktail roulette. Where you give a pl- flavor profile to a bartender, and they will create a custom cocktail just for you. So I think he's got a big batch of bitters back there, a mm. whole bunch of bitters bottles.
3: Um, mm. you know, I saw the picture of the crab roll,
0: mm. and it looked like a big like a po' boy. It, it, that's just what a lobster roll looks like too. It's, okay, yeah. So
3: it's not. So I don't want anybody thinking that they're going to go in and get some sushi. You know? Oh, good God, no! no, no that's not a roll.
0: Oh, that kind of roll. No, no, no. Yeah, probably good to say it. It never occurred to me. Um, the 5440, my typing is terrible, 5440 Brewing out of Washugal and they also have a tap room in Stevenson, has expanded their distribution. So you'll be seeing them at craft beer retail and taps in Washington State. And they're doing four beers, Cascadia, Red Zeppelin, Half-Cocked IPA, and 1862 Mexican Lager. So it's another... Washington Brewery, you can support Hmm. I haven't been to Stevenson in a long time, so I didn't even know that was down there. I know. Neither did I.
3: We used to go there all the time, but then we, we moved out.
0: We moved. We left. We <laughs> moved our summer home elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Just Poke is opening a new hand roll concept at Pike Place Market in the former Mercado space. It will be called Sugo. It will be a ser- full-service restaurant with a chef's counter, and then there's a second location coming to Bellevue later in the year. Hmm. If you're an oyster lover, Salties on Alki has you covered on Thursdays during dinner service with $2 fresh shucked oysters, and they also have specials on sparkling wine and beer. Pretty good deal. hmm Yeah. And then the last one I have today is that Boathouse 19 at the Tacoma Narrows Marina has been sold to Anthony's restaurants. If you recall from last month, Dennis and Katie Driscoll, who opened Boathouse 19 in 2012, Also uh, had the lobster shop in Tacoma, which was just an iconic place there for years and years and years. They just recently sold that to E3. So it sounds like they're moving into retirement. They are retiring. Yeah. So that's their plan, and they have now executed it. So good for them. Don't
3: you wonder if the clock is ticking on Anthony's? You know, How how soon will it be before Landry's goes in and scoops them up? Oh, (laughs) no. And then
0: closes them down just for the heck of it.
3: Anyways, yeah. all right. Well, there's our news bites. There's our discussion of wine. There's our discussion of booze
0: calculations. I'm telling you, it's a jam-packed thing, and we're only half through. We're only halfway through. We're going to take
3: a little break. When we come back, we got the calendar.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today.
0: Hi, this is Julie from Willamette Valley Vineyards in Salem, Oregon. If you're ever in the Salem area, visit Bentley's in the Grand Hotel. Nice place to have a bite to eat and a good drink.
3: Hey, I'm Jared Burns, owner and winemaker at Revelry Vintners, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. You got Tom and Connie here from the online magazine, seattledining.com. And we got a little bit of calendar information to tell you about.
0: Indeed we do. This one um, is, the first one is Black Restaurant Week, which started on February 25th and goes through March 4th. So you have a few days to still support this. Um, Black Restaurant Week is something three friends in Houston started to help African-American, African, and Caribbean restaurant industry people get a leg up. And now it's nationwide. So you can go out to blackrestaurantweeks, plural, dot com, and see who the Northwest participants are. And they're all over the place. There's Seattle, there's Kent, there's Covington, a bunch of people around. So the interesting thing was I did go out on the website to look at it, and their stats show that the participants get like a 15% Increase in sales during that week. Hmm. So it goes to show you, you know, a little little attention and things can get better for everybody.
3: So it might be good to look at that, too, because if you're doing a road trip or you're going on a business trip or something, maybe there's something going on in one of the towns you're going to.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: All righty. Let's see. Uh, Seattle Cocktail Week started on February 27th and it runs through March 6th. Uh, lots going on besides drinking. There's seminars, there's master classes, there's pop ups, there's brunches, and you will go to SeattleCocktailWeek.com. And by the way, for, uh, any of these websites that we're telling you about, you can link to them from the Seattle Dining webpage,
0: the News Bites webpage. This is the calendar webpage. Or the calendar, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Make your move quickly, because this is happening on March 3rd. There's an Avenia Wine and Canyon River Grill Wine Dinner at Canyon River Lodge from 630 to 930. It's 175 per person. If you know Chef Kevin Davis and you know Avenia Wine, it's going to be good.
3: Yeah, that so sounds like a good one.
0: They're doing an East Coast Diver cot Diver Caught, that's important, Dover sole. Crudo. Did you say that 10 times fast, Diver Caught, Dover sole. I didn't say it once very well, so I'm going to say no. Um, that's an appetizer kind of thing. They're doing a chilled Maine lobster and burrata salad, crispy confit of duck leg and truffled asparagus ragu, and then a grilled Royal Ranch ribeye steak, and dessert is olive oil and sauternes cake. Mm. I don't know. It's going to be good.
3: <clears throat> All right. On uh, Saturday, March 5th, International Women's Day at Yellowhawk Resort from 1 to 4 p.m. The cost is going to be $70, with $15 of that going to the YWCA of Walla Walla. Washington State's top women in wine, beer, spirits, chefs, artists, and merchants
0: are all going to be in one place. That'll be fun.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: March 12th, the 11th annual Bellevue Bourbon Bash at Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue is taking place from 5 to 8. <clears throat> it's 195 per person plus tax and service. Um, there are over 100 bourbons available for sampling with a small collection of Pappy Van Winkle. This, this is like the largest one on the West Coast, the largest yeah, bourbon tasting. It's like tasting. the fourth
3: or fifth year for this, isn't it? Uh,
0: it says right here, 11th annual. Oh, 11th, okay. Yes. Um, and distillers and brand reps will be on hand, and there'll be heavy appetizers. You got to be into your bourbon seriously for one hundred and ninety-five. Yeah, but yeah, I remember um, we've talked about this on the show yeah, before. Yeah, we talk about it every year. It's just um, and and it sells out every year. The VIP tickets are sold out again already. Hmm. So it's it's a big deal. All
3: right, uh, March eighteenth through the twentieth—that's Friday through Sunday—is going to be the Ocean Shores Fourteenth Annual. Razor Clam and
0: Seafood Festival. Now, they've been doing that for a while, haven't they? uh, Yeah, 14th (laughs) annual. I'm making fun. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh, But unlike the Bourbon Festival, this is free admission. Uh, For the first time, they're partnering with Port Angeles Dungeness Crab and Seafood Festival. So there will be crab on hand, plus a whole crab dinner. It's going to cost you $40 with reservations recommended. Uh, There's also Crab Eggs Benedict Breakfast on Sunday for $25. Again, reservations – oh, on this one, reservations are required. And uh, this takes place in and around Ocean Shores Convention Center. So use that link that we have on the calendar page, and you'll get more details there.
0: Exactly. Now, this last one is a plan ahead kind of thing, because I think that these kind of things will sell out. But from July 14th to the 16th is Walla Walla Valley Wine. And this event celebrates a different wine varietal each year, comparing it with other leading wine regions around the world. And this year we'll focus on Syrah. This was the one that was going last year or the year before, and they had to cancel because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So... um, this is, they're doing Syrah finally. It's it's here. They'll talk about the history and cultural significance of Syrah. There's a vintage pour library tasting, global wine panel, and a collaborative winemaker dinner series, places around Walla Walla. And then the Syrah Grand Tasting with 50 wineries pouring. So tickets are on sale now. And that's why we're talking about it. Because if we talk about this in the July show, you'll be like, thank you. Yeah. So you can get your tickets now. Yeah.
3: I got I, I a feeling that Charles Smith must be plugged in there somewhere, huh? I would think so. I Since mean, he's he got... groove those all those lovely serons yeah. for so many years. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what I think we're going to do? We're just going to pop right into the next segment. Oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> so um, you wanted to talk about the James Beard Award winners.
0: Yeah. Um, the The awards have been revamped because, as you know... There was a lot of trouble in James Mm Beardland because so many of the winners were uh, beaters, you know, abusers in the kitchen.
3: Womanizers. Womanizers. uh
0: There was uh, not much diversity or equity in who got chosen for things. So they've been revamped to focus on diversity, equity, and excellence. And um, the nominees um, are outstanding for the Northwest. Outstanding chef Rachel Ryan. Now,
3: before you go there, mm-hmm. I just want to say I—I I, I guess that's all fine and dandy, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't seem to me that I'm going to actually get an actual uh, look at who the best chefs are because if there's too many guys of not of no color or no. Uh, sexual indifferences (laughs) they won't get included yeah even though they may be some of the best chefs so i'm kind of saddened by the whole thing and i I know they had to find a way to work around this situation Mm -hmm. and this is how they're doing it and so they can and and you know we can all discover something here anyways it's not that any of these chefs are probably bad at all but uh you're probably just not going to see the best of the best of the best now
0: well, <clears throat> yeah, that could be true and and for me, when I look at the issues with the womanizing chefs in kitchens and stuff, uh, unless they are really uh checking everybody out that they nominate, uh, are we going to get past that problem? Yeah. You know, and it might not be a uh, man on woman abuse, you know, it could be anything. Just there are some kitchens that are just painful to work in and you know, Those people shouldn't be nominated. They may be great chefs, but I think if you are a chef, it's the whole package. You know, you have to know how to train. You now have to know how to purchase. You now have to know run a team. There's a lot to it. Uh It's just it's not just that you're really good with a flavor palette. So, I don't know. My my hope is that the pendulum swings. So it's been on on the white side of things for an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 swinging the other direction, and I would hope that within a few years maybe we'll be in a place where people are nominated because they are truly excellent chefs, I mean, they're in, in all ways, and it doesn't make any bit of difference what color they are or if they're female or male or if they're trans or anything. Well, it shouldn't I, make I any difference. Well, I
3: think that some of these people winning James Beard Awards – it's going to shuffle some of the kitchens around too. Yeah. And you're going to see some of these people that you that maybe wouldn't have won a couple of years ago, even though they were there, now they're going to get in the highlight and then somebody's going to say, "Hey, I got to have that woman in my kitchen" mm-hmm. or something like that. I yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's um <clears throat> there's already you can see in numerous companies, not n- even necessarily restaurants, but nonprofits, everybody's sort of revamping how they look at things. Mm-hmm. because honestly, you know, white people have been in charge for a long time. And and I was thinking about it, and how often do we choose a restaurant based on diversity? I never think about who's cooking unless it's somebody I know. Right. I, I, I'm looking at, hey, let's try something new in a neighborhood we haven't been in, or something like that, but I'm not thinking about, you know, what color the chef is. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you have to do a little bit of that, too, to get to the point where it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Um Outstanding Chef, Rachel Yang, and and I I'll never pronounce his name right, Seth Churchy. Yeah. Um, Rachel has been nominated nine times. Yeah. So, dang it, she should win this time. Outstanding Restaurant, The Walrus and the Carpenter, and that's Renee Erickson, and she's white. Um, Emerging Chef is kind of funny because it's Christy Brown, and she should be getting some attention, but she is har- – I don't know why they would call her Emergent. She's been around a long time and um, good at what she does. So, But she's in there, so that's okay. Best new restaurant, I guess it's Madia Kitchen and Bar on Orcas Island. Outstanding Baker, Pamela Vong of the Flower Box. Outstanding Hospitality, Bar Del Corso, Jerry Corso. Outstanding Wine Program, Tomo, from Brady Ishiwata Williams, who was the former Candle chef. Hmm. Um, and then local sem- And uh, he, uh, <clears throat> we don't know where he's going to wind up Do we? Yeah, Tomo He started oh, okay. his own restaurant Okay, It's been months um, Local semi-finalists for Best Chef Northwest And the Pacific Nick Coffee at Ursa Minor on Lopez Island Erasto Jackson at Lil Rudd's Takeout and Catering Liz Kenyon at Rupe Bar Melissa Miranda at Musang Let's see David Nichols of Eight Row. Well, I was really happy to see that. Remember, we went. I did the story on them, and then we went down and had dinner at Green Lake. Oh yeah! Outside, we were on the patio oh, yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. He was cooking on the, the barbecue up yeah, against the wall. Exactly, and yeah. it was killer.
0: So Brandon Pettit, Delancey Mutsoko Soma, Kamon Kamoniji, Aaron Verzosa, Archipelago. I I always say Archipelago. This, Archipelago. Chad White Zona Blanca in Spokane, and all the finalists will be announced on March sixteenth. Now so. I
3: got to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and I got to be honest with you for a good reason. I haven't been to most of these restaurants. I know, and anybody listening should probably take a look at this online. And uh, I challenge you to go to try one of these restaurants. Like Eight Row is really good. Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, but you know, unless you're. It's just – it's just not one of the standard places that I think are going out to eat, but it was really a great treat when we did it at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, pick one or two and go experience them if you've yeah. never been to them before. Yeah. All the foodies know all about them, but I don't and you don't. Yeah. And,
0: and we're so, kind of
3: – I mean, we live and breathe food, but – I mean, you we, might know about them, but I'm yeah. saying when I say you don't, I mean oh,
0: yeah. the listeners, Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, even things like the walrus and the carpenter, that's been around forever. But we're not oyster
3: people. And I have so, walked into Zona. I mean, in fact, we might have eaten dinner at Zona Blanca in Spokane. Oh, really? Yeah. I think we did. It's a little place that's on like one of the, the main streets downtown. Mm, okay. And uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't, but I, yeah, I think and then I that I did. Me. So. Yeah.
0: Well, you're going to be in Spokane. I am, but well, you'll never get anyone, anyone to go with limited you. transportation. That's right. So, um, but we kind of talked about this already. Um, it's good that there's diversity going on here. Um, in an a interview in, on the Seattle Times, Rachel Yang and Christy Brown said that, you know, good intentions are here. It's great to see the awards looking a little more like the industry. And let's, you know, Rachel's take was kind of let's see how this works as the years go on. Because it's one thing to say you're going to do it and it happens one year what happens then yeah you know so like anything it's not going to be overnight but um hopefully yeah we'll see how it goes yeah all right we're gonna take a little break and when we come
3: back we've got some tips and tricks
1: support for seattle dining and the seattle dining show is provided in part by pogata restaurant
2: and bar located on mercer island Locally owned and operated since 1997, Pogacha offers unmatched northwest cuisine with an Adriatic flair. Quality food prepared simply, freshly, and with care means every visit is memorable. Come revel in their relaxed atmosphere while enjoying hand-selected fish, brine chicken, and scratch sauces. More information is available online at pogacha.com.
3: Hi, this is Mike Jordan, living up in Shoreline, Washington, and one of my favorite spots is to go it is Salt and Iron in Edmonds.
0: Hi, this is Janie from Northwest Travel and Life magazine, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show.
3: Dining Show, and we didn't get to do our monthly discussion at the beginning of the show, so we're going to uh, go ahead and jump into it now. Connie,
0: what do you got? One of the things we've talked a lot about, um, because we try to eat less salt, is that salt does wonderful things for food. I mean, it can really perk up a dish, but you don't want to do it. You can use a salt substitute, but oftentimes you keep trying to get your dish where you want it to be, and you just end up making it inedible. Keep putting more salt in. It's too much. More salt in. So one of the things that you need to think about is the salt will like pop a flavor, but acid, like vinegar or lemon juice, mm-hmm. will balance a dish. And often that's what you need yeah. is that balancing. So we use a lot of balsamics um, in our cooking. Um, one of the interesting things, this was something we saw in America's Test Kitchen. Mm-hmm was that when you have an acid in your mouth, it starts the saliva going, and saliva activated in your mouth breaks down food. So you actually, it's easier to eat. So that's kind of another bonus besides, you know, using something like lemon juice or apple cider vinegar to just make that dish more balanced and taste great. Yeah, and I notice, like, when
3: I make my guacamole... Um, i use some salt, but not a whole lot. And then I'll put some lime juice in, and that kind of balances out the flavor a little bit and also works really nice as a preservative. Mm-hmm. So if I want to store that overnight to let it meld a little bit more,
0: yeah.
3: it'll work that way. And so, uh, you know, things like vinegar are really good preservatives too if you're going to yeah. have food melding overnight. and Maybe you want to mm-hmm. balance that dish out with a little bit of vinegar.
0: Think how many times you're out. Having a, a nice seafood dinner and you always get a slice of lemon on your plate,
3: you know, mm-hmm. a
0: quarter lemon or something. And it's used in drinks, too, to balance cocktails out.
3: Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, so
0: there's so many uses for it. So, but... so
3: that's it. Vinegar isn't just for fish and chips anymore. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about because I'm aggravated right now is truth in advertising. Right now, I saw this just today, over 20 companies, including places like Safeway, Albertsons, Kroger, which owns QFC and Fred Meyer, Costco, Amazon, Walmart, have settled with farmers from the Big Island about how coffee is marketed as Kona when it isn't actually from the region. So 2.7 million pounds of authentic Kona coffee beans are grown annually, but more than 20 million pounds of coffee is labeled Kona. Yeah, that was an
3: interesting article for
0: sure. Yeah, that's infuriating to me, and of so it course came out of the L.A. Times. Yeah, and we've talked before about olive oil that sometimes doesn't actually have any olive oil in it. Right. Um, and then I saw recently an article about organic clothing that just costs more, but actually isn't organic. Huh? And then, you know, Putin invaded Ukraine. Yeah. After he said he wouldn't, so you can't believe <laughs> anybody. Believe I'm just saying. So I'm going to let that lead into my tip for the end of the show, if you don't mind? Sure. because this gets back to truth in advertising for me. Um, bottom line, my tip is, do your research. But there was an article in Civil Eats that says the Organic Trade Association reported that sales of certified organic products, food and fiber, increased 12.4 percent to 62 billion in 2020. So there is a desire on humans' parts, to do something better, to eat better, do something better for the planet. You know,
3: half of that $60 billion was me. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but since that has become a... The whole point of this article was that organic foods are going to go big or maybe go away. So that's why I say do your research and support it so we don't lose it but when it started growing conventional farm groups have and i'm putting this in quotations claimed the banner of environmentally friendly farming and said that the things they're doing you know are good for the planet so now money is flowing to them and then when the us agricultural secretary shared a long list of climate related actions that the that they'd taken the word organic never appeared in any of it mm. Interesting. Yeah. And then they found a Midwest grain dealer who had sold a large volume of conventional grain as organic before he was caught and prosecuted. So all I'm saying is it's really wonderful to eat organic. It's better for you. It's better for the planet. It's better for the animals. Um, but you need to be aware of who you're buying it from, where your source is. If you can do it locally, all the better, um, you know, like we we 've gone out and found frozen fruit at Costco organic fruit, and we thought, "Oh great, absolutely tasteless yeah, so don 't buy it just because it has the organic label on it. Buy it because you 've tried it and it 's really good. it suits your needs, and it really is organic.
3: I got a bag of organic blueberries and organic cherries, about one bag each at uh, grocery outlet. Mm. And then the other day I looked at the back of them and it said it was a product of turkey Mm-mm. and it was uh, brought in through Canada and certified USDA organic by a Canadian organization. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? I'm going back to Northwest Blueberries.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. I don't know how somebody else can USDA certify something in another country. I thought that was bizarre. That's really bizarre. And those Canadians are so dang nice. Well, and the funny thing is, in Canada, you can't find a US,
3: or you can't find a certified organic labeling system in a, in the country itself. So, so how can they? But they're certifying products that's coming into America. I just don't get it. I don't
0: get it either. I need
3: more education. Anyways, well, I got a tip, and uh, this one is not. Uh, you don't have to do a lot of research on this one. <laughs> But uh, I've been using a cast iron skillet, I don't know, about 10 years now. But I've really gotten into using it a lot lately because I keep bumping into a lot of of recipes that want a skillet at 400 degrees. And you've got to put it in the oven first. And most skillets don't do very well at that rate in the oven. So uh, if you don't have a cast iron skillet, I'd highly recommend you get one because there's so much diversity you can do with it um it seems to spread the heat out pretty well too although i've heard people say it doesn't but i'm having very good experience with that on an induction cooktop um and there's various sizes um you can buy a 10 inch you can buy a 12 inch you can buy an 8 inch I saw a 13 and a half inch one the other day. Wow. I tried to pick it up, but I realized I, realized I was going to have to amp up my free weight circuit <laughs> if I was going to be able to pick that baby up with one hand.
0: And see, that was with food not in it. It was yeah. empty. Uh,
3: and one, one caution I will give you, if you have a uh, glass top oven, that you be very careful with the weight of that thing around your oven because I have uh, broken a little bit of the bevel off on my control area from setting it down one day a little too hard. So uh, handle it with care. Be very gentle with it around your other products. It's probably the heaviest thing you'll have in your kitchen.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, that is it for our March show. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just go to seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. Dine in, dine out, dine well, and dine safe often.
3: And we'll see you back here in April. See you next
0: month.
1: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine Online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.